Hello and welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast. That wasn't a very nice thing you just did, Alex. <laughs> I actually didn't even realize until as I was doing it, I went, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> a little, little bit of inside baseball for everyone who's listening. Uh, when Alex, one of my co-hosts alongside Paula, counts me in for the start of the recording, um, he does it on his fingers. Now, normally he's quite polite, but he did a very impolite thing that I'm sure you can... Uh, surmise from what i've just told you i'm holding a pen um, in my hand <laughs> no that's no excuse i'm not happy with that um send your applications for the spot <laughs> but seriously before we start we are um making a call to action for people to send in their questions to us at the how long to beat podcast um so you can do that by email which is correct me if i'm wrong hltvpodcast at gmail.com you're correct it is Beautiful. Um, or you can catch us on the forum or the Discord, wherever. We'll take them wherever you want to give them. Um, yeah, like questions. Right. I mean, you can also, too, like we were saying, if you just want us to like riff on a topic or something that you're like, I want to know what they think about this thing, you can do that too, right? It doesn't have to be a full-formed question. Anything. Just throw those thoughts our way. Um, this week, we've got a more conventionally formatted episode. So we're going to start talking about the games that we've beaten, retired, and are currently playing. Uh, we're then going to move on to the topic this week, uh, which is flavor text in video games. Um, and as always, we're going to finish off with a question, uh, this time from me rather than the forums, hence the call to, to send more <laughs> in, please. Um, and we'll finish on everyone's favorite game. Say it with me. How, How long, long to be the, the game? game. Again, I finished before you started. I don't know why I ever expect it to sound right <laughs> when we do it. Um Right. Now, in terms of completions, I want to pull you in on this, Paula, because we've uh, both played this week a game that you played last week, Alex, and that is yes. uh, Endless Scroll, um, which is another game from um, Cecile Richard. podcast recommended creator <laughs> Cecile Richard. That's correct. I almost like this as much as Novena. I don't know how it hit you, Paula, but I thought it was really, really clever. I really like it more than Novena. The... <gasps> And I played uh, so far three of, of the games of this creator. I also completed Under, Star, Under a Star Called Sun. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I completed that like five minutes before we started here, too. I saw you completed it. And I went, I'm going to do it, too. Whatever. <laughs> it's short. That's lucky. We've all played the same ones. Yeah. I like that. For me, like, and it's scroll, like, it seemed a little bit more uh, relatable um, than the other two. I want to say so much, but I don't want to spoil the whole thing. Yeah, I, this is the tricky one with these games because they're excellent. You don't want to gush about them, but you know, here also, I can make. Just I'll, don't play them. I'll put a little uh, spoilery thingy. So you know, if you want to play these five minute games, you can just skip this section for a minute and go back uh, afterwards because I think it's worth talking about them in depth a little bit, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So tell us, tell us your thoughts, Paolo, on this one because I agree with you. This one I feel like is the least abstract of them uh, because Under a Star Called Sun, I played it too and I enjoyed it. And I actually, I think in that one, I enjoyed the artwork more so than than the writing. Whereas in the other ones, um, I've enjoyed them kind of at an equal level. Yeah, for the Under a Star Called Sun, I kind of like enjoyed the artwork a little bit more, and I really like how each time you revisit the memories, they get more and more distorted, and that is like how you look back to stuff you you've gone through and each time you you remember something and the further away you are from that event mm. uh, memories start get a little bit fuzzy mm. so it kind of like gave me that sense of how the time was passing and this kind of nostalgia and at the same time like 
almost fear of losing the the memory of the event altogether. I know. I I really enjoyed that aspect of it too. Like that's when, and this isn't under a star called Sun again, which you're kind of it's sort of implied you're on the spaceship and you're sort of having these memories. It, when you click play, it says run elegy. So you can see it's this kind of like of something that's been lost. And yeah, when it hit the best for me is like in that moment you're describing when it's talking about memory and it was like going back and I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of like a nice sort of meditation on like the kind of grief of losing memory. The space stuff, I sort of lost me a tiny bit. <laughs> like I was like, wait, I actually think your story is strong enough without the space stuff. But like, um, um, I don't know. It was kind of allegorical, wasn't it? In the sense mm-hmm. that uh, the, the idea of you being on a spaceship properly separated by space and time um was an analog for for anything that you might be separated from or away from um space time whatever um and i I suppose that's quite interesting when you compare that to endless scroll to nirvana because endless scroll is definitely the most overt in terms of what it wants you to take from that story Mm -hmm. um and on the one hand i like that because it allowed it to be a little bit more impactful, a little bit more specific in the things that it called called into mind. It also took something away a little bit for me. Um, mm. I, I think Cecilia Richard is really good at, at creating a mood and evoking a feeling. And I think that, that tying it down took something away from it, whether that's just for me. And, and I think that's the other thing as well with Endless Scroll, as much as I liked it, uh, the the third act switcheroo when you're like talking to despair. Um, yeah. I felt like that was a little bit blunt, and I got what I got what they were going for. I'm not quite sure it landed for me, but I still appreciated what it was trying to do. Yeah, I'm always a little like just a, a, a little standoff in like those sort of moments where it's like where you personify these sort of things. They they always just kind of like, like make uh, me go okay, little... all right, yeah, exactly, yeah. But at the same time, like you said, I was like I saw the artfulness in it, and so I'm like. I'm like, okay, no, like you, you've brought me here. So like, I'll go with you along the way, but you know what I mean? But I'm like, I'm not sure I'm fully buy into that moment. But what did you, what did you think? Yeah, about? That moment aside, you can put me off the initial like format of the thing that you were like talking with as someone over social media. And by that point, I was like more used to like the poem like style or storytelling like style mm. that the other games have going for them. But I think for Endless Story, uh, Endless scroll, at least, it fits better, uh, at least in terms of what it wants to portray. Mm-hmm. It was weird at the start, but I ended up like digging it a lot more than the other ones. That's something I thought it did really well because it, it used that as a bridge to take you through different scenes. And I thought it was clever how it kept pulling you back to the message and then taking you to like a, a party and then like a heart to heart with someone else and, and bouncing you between. And it is a nice change of pace from the other stuff. So as much as we clearly love uh, this creator's work, I worry that as we play more and more of them, it will be a, oh, it's another one of those and it's become formulaic. So I, I'm glad that um, there's experimentation there. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, it's really I neat agree with you on that. too. Like just on like a little cap on this too, I was looking it up and like, I guess it's made in a program called Bitsy, which is basically this program for creating these small, like the whole conceit is like on itch. It's like small worlds, right? Uh, Small stories and small worlds. And so you create these like little, like it's basically like one bit um, uh, artwork, right? Which is so incredible. Like the fact that you do this, it's like one color. It's like basically, or I guess two colors technically, but it's basically like, uh, you know, uh, like a light and a dark color and then an, one extra interactable color so really i'm like that's pretty incredible um to create all these sort of landscapes and all this stuff within it so anyway 
if people listening don't yet haven't figured this out, we recommend you should go try out our stuff. <laughs> it's all free, so do it. Hundred <laughs> percent. And then you beat a monster um, this week, huh, Paula? All right. Daigakuten Saifan, Naruhodo Ryunosuke no Boken, Boken, or the Great Ace Attorney, Naruhodo Ryunosuke's Adventures. And by the way, I'm gonna refer to the protagonist as Ryu or Naruhodo, whatever feels better. Nice. Because the full name is a monster. So you very much play as Phoenix Wright ancestor. That is well. Real. You start the game pretty much having to defend yourself because you've been accused of murder and you clearly didn't do it. You are sort of in a position that you can claim to be your own defense attorney because that happens in Ace Attorney. It's very classic Ace Attorney. (laughs) Yeah, having to defend yourself in Ace Attorney is pretty much... If you don't have like one of those cases, it's not a attorney. It's either that or someone you know. I'm not gonna lie, like Rio kind of... It's kind of competing with Maya on visits to the jail. Because for those who are unaware, Maya is like the companion character in the mainline Ace Attorney series, especially like in the first trilogy. And she's always in the wrong places at the wrong time. Honestly, I think that girl has been arrested for murder like four times. It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And... Like, it is at the point that everyone, like, pretty much just jokes about it. And I think, like, Random Encounters did a Ace Attorney musical having a case like that. But, yeah, back to the game. So, you have to defend yourself. You have this tutorial trial that is, like, bigger than any other tutorial trial I've seen in Ace Attorney so far. I play, like, all the six mainland games plus the two investigation games. There's, like, a new feature to the trials that is... Because you can usually present your evidence, you can press the witness on the witness stand to get more information. But now you have like multiple witnesses on the witness stand. Because of that, when you press one of the witnesses, you can notice how other witnesses are reacting to the retelling of what they saw. Uh, So if you see like one of the witnesses like lost in thought or like making a funny face, you can like question them and maybe they remember something different than the witness that is talking at the moment uh which i found interesting and actually that's uh one of the features that i guess was kind of like an experiment in the professor Layton versus ace attorney game i find it like there it gives you like more of a leeway in, the, in terms of the writing because you always have like that one witness that has like a very very solid case but since it causes like a contradiction with another witness. It's like your one way to actually cut them in the act of lying. It actually lends itself to either like really aha moments or really ridiculous moments in one of the cases. I think I like the multiple witness format, but I do enjoy like the single witness. You have to examine every single bit of evidence and you have to cut that that one bit, uh, witness like somehow. Uh, better because it's like it makes you feel smarter in terms of ah I had the one piece of evidence or the one thing that allowed me to cut the guy then oh okay these guys uh, companions in murder are just idiots so so it's like like it would have been a perfect crime if not for them <laughs> I would Scooby Doo I would have gotten away with it too. you meddling kids <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like this idea. It's kind of like that. I like this idea of the multiple witness thing, though. That does sound neat, because, I mean, I'll be honest, like, even as I was playing Apollo, and, like, I I love 
I love the Ace Attorney series, but yeah, I mean, there's been like, what is it, six, seven games with the exact kind of same formatting, you know, like they'll have like a one gameplay tweak here and there, but it sounds like this Witness thing is really like trying to kind of really shift things up a little bit, which I like that. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Because you have like a gimmick in in, in most Ace Attorney games that is like in Abel Justice, you have the... the bracelet thingy that allows you to see specific shit yeah i love his bracelet my bracelet twinges when i see a lie and then he can like zoom in on someone's ticks and twitches and like it's so dumb but also like kind of why i love the series i'm just like yeah, yeah. that's right oh i wish the audience could have seen you mining the bracelet like you're about to like do your power ranger suit let's go oh. yeah <laughs> Honestly, though, they might as well there be Power Rangers. Times, <laughs> oh, dear. There are times where I forget the word and, and that and making like gestures and stuff helps me remember. Oh, but yeah, dear. I will always be, be funny. here to make gestures for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and like in the later games, you have like oh, what was the fifth one? Oh, Athena Sykes, um, kind of like psychology section on on the trials. I feel like if they had tried anything else it would have been like way too gimmicky so in terms of that i'm really happy like how they tried to check things up a little bit without getting it that like way too weird for this word like ace attorney six <laughs> and there's like another thing introduced like in the later trials that is in chapter three uh there's a new element there are the jurors or the juries jurors jurors yeah yeah and pretty much like there's like six people that according to the game they're like uh, London citizens citizens that pretty much were like called from whatever they were doing and it's like okay you have to be a juror today and pretty much it represents like how the people view like the person that is on the on the the, the person who is like being prosecuted right now yeah yeah it's um I don't know if that's a little bit different from the uh from the system in South America. So in in Anglo American justice, and it, it it was the same then as it is now. The idea is you're judged by your peers, so you will have a, a set of juries come in, and it, it it's the same now. So you'll you'll get called to jury service. It's like a random pool thing. So yeah, sorry, crack on. You didn't know that uh, it has like basis in real life and stuff. <laughs> yeah, is, is it different for you guys then? How does your system work? Do you know or yeah? No idea. Fair enough. <laughs> Fuck that, no I think we have yours, so correct me if I'm wrong, someone in the public. But let um, us know in the comments down below. And while you're there, remember to click like and uh, subscribe. Don't forget <laughs> to ring that bell. We have juries here too, but like it depends on the type of case, right? Like Yeah, it's criminal primarily. Yeah. And and some specific kinds of civil hearing. This is the gaming content you come for. Yeah. <laughs> criminal <laughs> law. <laughs> dun dun. Oh my god. So one thing was shown in this game that holy fuck, when you have like the six years, like they are incredibly incredibly like fickle and just try to like just change opinion based on whatever the prosecutor and the defense and the defense attorney is saying. And that's when there's another element introduced to the game that when all six years pretty much are convinced that the guy is like, sorry, the defendant is guilty. Mm -hmm. You get like kind of like a second chance to like turn it around. And that's uh, what is called a closing argument. Not to be confused with the closing arguments in the Danganronpa series, but 
in the closing argument in this Saturday, you pretty much have to see why the juror are, is saying like the the person like in the stand is guilty. And if you find like any like contradictions between the two of the jurors, it's like, hey, 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 uh, I think you guys aren't like quite getting what the case is about here. Very much you have to show the inconsistencies of what the jurors think about the uh, trial and about the the defendant and try to get four of them to your side. And it's like, okay, um, there are like a lot of stuff that hasn't been answered, so... We have to continue with the trial, pretty much. This is what, just, I'm about to go off on a massive tangent, so I apologise to start with. This is why I always bounce off the Ace Attorney games. It's not quite right, and it's close enough to be annoying. Like, that's just not how that works. You don't get to question the jury and try and, like, convince them why you're actually right and they're actually wrong. And you don't do anything after a closing argument. And that's just one example of the stupid anime logic they use in those games. (laughs) And I get like it's not a real courtroom obviously trials don't take three days and that's it but it's just so fucking stupid anyway i mean to be fair they were also like they they've been dunking on japan's system like that was sort of like the in the original one the point was that like a lot of this bullshit was happening so like do you know what i mean so like it's something to keep in mind right especially this one where it's so old too like i am certain in older courts there was some serious bullshit going down you know what i mean in modern courts there still are but i don't normally like play a game by choice through those trials <laughs> that's the the distinction um that's but fair. would you recommend this one Paolo? i suppose is the bottom line and would you recommend it to anyone or would you just recommend it to people who like the series anyone who likes the series i 100 percent recommend it Hey, also, I haven't even finished with the new stuff. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. Just go, <laughs> go, go, go. Also, big disclaimer uh, to play Daigakuten Saiban, you might want to wait for the, the inevitable like Switch release at some point because at the time we're filming this, both games have been pulled from iOS, Android, and the 3DS eShop. In one of the Capcom leaks, there was actually like talk about um, having uh, the collection of the two games release. Hopefully, localize. Hopefully, but the only way to play it like right now is like I don't know if it works with a CIA um, file. At least I know you have to have like an original copy of the game, be digital or physical, and you have to patch the game. And there is like one a little studio called scarlet studio that is making the patch for the second the great days of any game and the first one is complete like if you if you patch the game with that you have the game completely in english and you can play it and you don't need like any guy to like understand what the hell is going on here the second one i think is currently like in chapter one or two maybe chapter three is being like translated right now Partial, anyway. Yeah, partial. But at least, like, uh, go up, go, go ahead and play the first one. It, it is actually like really funny, especially because there's one more element that was added, like, to the investigations. And by the way, uh, the other thing that is different is that trials start investigations. It's like one day. It can be a very long trial and a very long in- investigation, but you only get one one day per chapter. The other new element is the great deductions done by a certain character during um, investigations, starting chapter two. It's another way, like, to 
try to guess what happened in a specific scene to see like if a piece of evidence is related to trial sorry if a piece of evidence is related to the case or not they are like so silly at times but it's so fun because i know courtroom doesn't work like that i know investigation doesn't work like that but unlike Rick, it doesn't bother me. It is actually the reason why I play Ace Attorney because wow. it's just so silly and I love it. Can't account for taste, can you? Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you manage to get your hands on on a copy of the game and you can patch it, go ahead, play it. It's good fun. There are things that uh, this was like from the get-go, like meant to be a duology. So you pretty much need to play the second game because there are like a couple of things that were like really answered in the first one. But they were set up. I think I've talked for long enough. Alex, what have you been playing? <laughs> nice. Uh, well, thank you. That's a very uh, in-depth look at it. I've been playing and or I've beaten a whole bunch of stuff. Um, well, not a whole bunch, but two Game Boy games. So I beat Kirby's Dreamland 2, which, yeah, that, okay. The game's kind of hard. Uh, like, like I mean, challenging, I guess, is is the thing I put when we talked about it. Because, like, I, I don't know if you can really call Kirby games hard. Because, again, you can kind of float through most of them. But, like, some of the levels aren't quite like that. Like, it feels like they played the first one. People were like, yeah, it's too easy. I just float through the whole thing. And, like, Sakura was like, oh, yeah, I'll fucking show you. And they're just like, let's go to town. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Like, yeah, well, this time you got three levels that are auto-scrolling, and if you go up to the wrong path, it's an instant death. And you're like, aww. Um, like, there's one section like that. But they do a clever thing that makes it so that you can guess the proper order as long as you... Basically, when you die... Like, I died twice in there, and then I was like, got it. And then I went through it fine. So it didn't feel too cheap. Because at first, I was like... Ugh. But, like, there's so many bosses that you fight. There's a lot of them. And, like, frequently... And some of them are quite clever. A couple of them, you're just like, am I fighting this ninjas dude again? Like, oh my God. So like, I, I liked it. I think it's good. I think I had more fun playing the first one um, just because it was sort of fun and kind of simple and like a good time. But the second one is like a markedly better game. I mean, just in general, it's, it's you know, I will compare this a little bit. It It has the same sort of progression as six golden coins so like i was about to make that comparison when you said that yeah it's almost identical they're i think both experiences are excellent they're just different right and so like um kirby one is just this fun kind of like run through a bunch of levels um have a good time float around kind of game same as super mario land run through a bunch of levels boom boom uh whereas dreamland is go to worlds there's seven worlds and in each world there are multiple stages so kind of similar but of course the stages have less charm i would say than six golden coins did but very fun i mean it's short i recommend checking it out if you enjoy kirby um i still think playing the first one is a better place to start um this one does show you like oh look kirby can absorb powers which is neat uh, they also have all these like animal things you can ride in this, and I kind of hate them. Um, like I just, I do not like them. I do not like those stupid things. <laughs> um, just because, like, I don't know. You played this like rat mouse thing. It looks like Hamtaro, which you know, no disrespect. Hamtaro is great. I know we have some Hamtaro fans out there, uh, but he <laughs> <laughs> like breathes fire, and then there's like this owl who floats, and then there's this fish, and it, the fish is really disturbing because the owl carries you, and you ride the rat, but the fish, you 
you become the fish. Like you are in the fish's mouth the entire time. And so it looks like you have like uh, destroyed okay. the fish. And then when you like jump up and like protect yourself, the fish like eats you basically. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't love that part. So I don't know. I, I'm lukewarm on this game. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I didn't think I was actually that lukewarm. I thought when I was playing it, I was like, I kind of like this. But now that I think more back on it, I'm like, yeah, I'm lukewarm on this one. It's fine. It's, <laughs> it's an okay game. Uh, and then I also beat Kid Dracula, which does not hold up at all. <laughs> I just, oh, wow. You've gotten much harder on that since you beat it. Yeah, I don't know. I swear. The best way I could put on this is like, it's the Larry David like gif, which I sent to them, where he's kind of like, uh, it's meh. Like, it's kind of how I feel, right? Where I'm like... It's not bad, and obviously, like, but I don't know. There are just some incredible games on the Game Boy. Like, I, I don't think, sometimes I think we think of the Game Boy and we're like, oh, you know, it's good enough, right? But I'm like, I don't think that's true. Like, there are games on the Game Boy that are just genuinely incredibly good games. And this one is one of those ones where I'm like, it's fine. It's like a side-scrolling kind of plat- action platformer where you play as, you know, a young Dracula from Castlevania. Though there's no connections to Castlevania really whatsoever in this game. Like, you're, this, there's no Castlevania ishness to this, you know? You're fighting this, like, evil demon Garamoth who looks like Alien from Aliens. Um, and so, like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, but you go through a series of stages and they're balls hard. Like, oh my God. To the point where I played it with save states. If you don't play this with save states, you will probably just be like, fuck it and give up after the first stage because. It's not, it doesn't feel like challenging fun necessarily. It felt a little bit like you're like, oh, okay, so I have a bunch of different powers and I know one of these powers is going to get me through this next segment, but I'm not sure which one yet. And I don't want to try all of them. So I'm just going to uh, guess. Yeah, that kind of thing, right? And you're slow, like your movement's slow. It's just not, it's real early Game Boy, you know? And like they're figuring it out still. And I, I don't know. I think, you know what? Maybe if you could play this on like an emulator where you could speed it up, maybe it might feel better, honestly. Like, but then again, I think if you sped it up, you'd probably die too much because the enemies, you're slow, but the enemies aren't. So, you know, uh, they would probably just get even faster and you'd be like, ah, no. (laughs) So, yeah, I was actually this close to retiring the game. I was at like this segment where I was like, I'm fucking done. And then I realized, oh, this is the very last segment of the game. (laughs) <laughs> all right, I guess I'll beat it. You know, like, it's like one of those things. I was listening to a really boring lecture and I was like, all right, let's beat this thing. Um, so no glowing recommendation on this one, sadly. But anyway, that's that's what I played. What about you, Rick? What'd you beat? Well, I suspect before I start, I'll be playing it eventually because I've got the anniversary collection. So I think I'll maybe at least give it a go. Um, in terms of what I've beaten, obviously we've talked about Endless Scroll. And it's been a very quiet month for me in terms of completions. Uh, I've been playing a lot of multiplayer stuff. So uh, just two very short ones. Um, the first one, is a GBA homebrew called Sushi Cat. Ooh. It was made for a game jam. It's like A level and a boss. But considering like it's it's a homebrew thing, it's really nice platforming. It's easy enough, really chill. I'm not sure I'd necessarily recommend it per se because there's so little there. And and forgetting it all set up in an emulator and moving it to a flash cart. I don't think there's enough there to justify it. But it's nice. You know, it's, there wasn't anything especially wrong with it. And then the other one, and this one was really clever is a itch game uh, for PC called Like Roots in the Soil. And it's purely narrative. So you have no control over your character's movement, uh, but your character's moving uh, through a landscape. And there's two characters walking simultaneously. One 
um, in one time and one in another. And there's a time that's clearly not been touched by some kind of apocalypse and one that is. And your singular control is to sort of move the image to show more of one or of the other. Uh, so, for example, your character will walk under um, uh, a rail track and, and in one there would be trains sort of zipping across that and then in the other uh, half the train will just be hanging off the track and it's all sort of busted. Really clever narrative, proper bait and switch and very nicely told, although there isn't much of a story. It's a little bit like Novena where it's very thematic and evocative rather than specific in any way. but very very good i would recommend it and it is on the recommendations tab of the itch page from last week so uh, if anyone wants to go and check it out there uh, they absolutely can do so that's me for that and then if we roll into retired i haven't put it on the list there is a half retire i'm very close to retiring freedom wars for the ps vita and that's no that's nothing to do with games quality or otherwise it's a really well put together a game it's very polished clearly does what it does well um but it's a a a one-two punch of problems the first is that the start is very slow Mm. there's a lot of world building there's a lot of oh you need to talk to x person oh they need y material you can find that on level two of the people's quarters and then you have to go and get it and bring it back to me actively and then oh yeah you need to go and speak to someone downstairs so you need to leave this place go down enter the other place and because it's on vita there's a lot of loading screens which makes what would already be a bit of an arduous bothersome thing even more so the other thing is i just don't like these kinds of games (laughs) i'm uh, i'm i'm not into the monster hunter type Mm. Um, action game it's not it's not really me and while this game does do some different stuff so you've got the thorn which is like um, almost like a zip line, and you can you can zip around with it. You can attach um, to parts of these. They're called abductors in this game, but the monsters for all intents and purposes, and try and pull them down or jump to them and sever things off. And it's really clever in that. And if that was in more of a conventional, either an open world type thing or in a a linear but level based structure, I think I'd love it. I think I'd really really dig it, especially. Because the world that the game builds is so interesting, this idea of being born with original sin, but the sin of your community having to carry you, and you've got to work off this million-year sentence that you owe by virtue of existing. The way it's set up and put together is really, really clever and quite novel and really pretty on the Vita. It's obviously its first party, uh, and it's one of it's one of the better-looking Vita games. But in in that kind of structure. It, it just doesn't click with me. I've not quite retired yet. I think I'm probably going to, truth be told. Um, so I thought it's probably worth talking about here rather than in my playings. Um, and then there's one other retirement, because Paolo's not retired anything. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a retirement, haven't you? Woo-hoo. Yes. Uh, why don't you tell us about that? I do have a retirement, yeah. Um, nothing crazy on this. I, I retired Bioshock Remastered. I just kind of got bored. Like I have played all the Bioshock games before, but... I just kind of, I don't know. I was playing it and I, I kind of got hit by a moment. Like I had that glitch happen where I lost all that, all that, um, uh, all that progress. progress. And then I was just like, you know, sometimes when you face a game and you realize like, oh yeah, I know the rest of this game is just shoot the baddies, 
use my cool plasmids. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's going to be it. It's not going to change. There's not going to be anything different that happens. I'm just going to go to a new area and I'm going to shoot the baddies. And it's like, sometimes I want that, you know? Sometimes that's the experience that I want to have. But in this situation, I was like, uh, I got everything I wanted out of this. I just wanted that Bioshock fix for a little bit, you know? I just wanted to go down there, visit Rapture again, shoot a couple big daddies, it, like, you know, uh, freeze people with my hands. And then after I'd done it for a little while, I was just like, eh, it's not going to be much different after this. So I just kind of, I just kind of was like, goodbye, I'm done. Um, someday will I go back to it? Who knows? Maybe. But for now, she rests on the retired pile. <laughs> Sniff. <laughs> yeah, I can hear Ken. Levine so that's snaring. it. <laughs> oh dear, mate. Wow, Ken Levine can go fucking himself because he promised us a Vita game that we never got. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, should we move on to what we're playing now? Then. <laughs> yeah, let me yeah. let me park my weird anger at Ken Levine. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you want to jump in, Pal? Tell us what you've been playing. Um, right. I gone back into Animal Crossing a little bit. Uh, mainly because I got inspired to change my island a little bit again. And because uh, a lot of people on the automatic community are playing, so I was like, I want to play too with everyone. So I'm there. And the other game I've been making a lot of progress on is Steam Prison on the Nintendo Switch. And this game originally released, I think on Vita, but the original English release is on PC. You can buy it through steam or the manga gamer web store the switch version is kind of like the definitive edition because it has like an extra route that was added as dlc on the pc version and i think it has like more content like more extra content on top of everything else and starting for the opening theme of the game that it is way better than the pc version but anyways uh here you play as kiru's uh, Tristella. Hopefully I'm not butchering that. She is like kind of like a guard or police officer and she goes like on patrols with with like another character because like there's like a whole lore thing that police uh, have to work like by pairs and everything seems to be like okay on her um, kind of like this top in a society because like you can choose like your job and stuff but stuff like who you marry how you live and after that is like decided by the kind of government they had going on here stuff happens because she was supposed to uh, be ascended as a second rank officer but she ended up being she ended up being like sentenced for murdering yeah sentenced for murder and sent back to uh these kind of like I want to say like prisoner, but it's like pretty much she was exiled from her home. That is like the, they call it the hikes because it's like this country, like somehow is standing on a single pillar in, in the heights. And then you have like the depths where everything else is. Uh, so she gets exiled and she pretty much has to survive in this unfamiliar new world. And the story pretty much goes on from there. And I think there are like kind of like three options and each option has like two rods or something like that. Um, and I got like the first ending. So I have like uh, an understanding of how the, the society like down there is and how this kind of divide happened like in the first place. Uh, so far, so good. I do remember stuff from my, from my first playthrough. 
Um, I'm trying not to because I want to be surprised. But yeah, so far so good. I'm enjoying enjoying it. Um, it's available on the eShop, though I recommend waiting for uh, a price drop because it is uh sixty five dollars, I think. Mm. Uh, because it had to match like the price of the Japanese physical release, because the physical release, like you can switch it to English. Oh, um, okay. So it's like, um, I get you. Yeah. Nice. Well, what about you, Rick? Do you want to take it off? I'll finish up the segment. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Um, mostly the same as last week, to be honest. It's been uh, a combination of, of a slow week and a week of sort of bigger, longer experiences. Um, Nothing more so than Hades, which is a, a <laughs> big, chunky game. I have gotten to the end of the third area. My understanding is that there are four areas, so I'm I'm getting very close to my first sort of full um, attempt. Oh, you ha- okay? Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, minor spoiler: uh, the boss I've come up against, that's the furthest I've gotten, is uh, Theseus, and whatever the Minotaur's name is, it begins with an A. Yeah, Atreides whatever. or something like Minotaur. that. Yeah, M I Nuttall. It's it was a frustrating one because I'd almost beaten him, and um, Theseus right at the end changes his pattern and just like has random AOE god calls, and uh, I overextended and went and blew it in a god call. And, He'll change uh, every time too. He calls on different gods, <laughs> different god every time. Yeah, um, but it's good, and one of the things I like because there's um whatever the purple resource is called bonus. If you use a specific weapon on each escape attempt, um, I've been encouraged to sort of mix it up, even though um, I've, I've got sort of strong preference for three of the six weapons being the bone arrow, the fists and the lance spear, whatever. So it keeps it feeling fresh. Obviously there's all the stuff we talked about last week in terms of the in-between run stuff going on um, and enjoying all the interactions with the other characters and, and that keeping things fresh and moving. Uh, I'm really liking it. I don't think I'm going to get burnt out on it the way you did. I suspect I'm going to I'm going to finish it eventually. Um, See, I technically finished that game, but not really. <laughs> right, there's finished and there's finish. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is what you're getting at. I, 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 I'm aware of like, the, I've gotten the to slight the end point and then it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Without, without spoiling anyone who's listening. Um, mm-hmm. I do sort of wish I had it on Switch because I feel like it would be a perfect game Hmm. to lock and put down and then pick back up. And on PC, you can still do that because it saves between chambers. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's just a more involved thing to boot the whole game up and, and start versus unlocking a, a Switch. So that's, But then that, that's on me and, and the way that I bought it. That's not, that's not the game's fault. But I am, bottom line, really liking it. At the moment, it's sitting comfortably as a 10 out of 10 for me. I'm still playing Ghost of Tsushima Legends. That's another one that I think is going to be on the burn for a while because to make any headway in the last story chunk of that, uh, you really do need to sort of gr- not grind for gear, but play your way through the, the bronze, silvers, and golds mm. of the previous missions to earn some more gear. Uh, I wouldn't call it a grind per se, although I suppose arguably it is. But it's more Ghost of Tsushima. Mechanically, it still holds up. The levels are pretty good. There's bonuses and bits and bobs, and the progression system is well implemented and free of all the microtransaction bullshit that you normally get from that kind of experience, which is lovely. And Plus, hey, the minimum... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, if the grind is fun, then that's fine. <laughs> is it really a grind? Yeah. And it's um, the minimum we should really expect from a game that we pay 60, 60 pounds, whatever, full price for, 
is in your region is that the things are given to us free like mm-hmm. it it's a shame that that's no longer what's expected or the norm but credit to sucker punch for doing that and i'm very happy with it been playing more rocket league that's still the best worst best thing in my life um <laughs> I've, I've still been playing um call of duty and Warzone um with some irl friends the one new thing this week um is a little gba homebrew called blind jump this is a roguelike it's sort of halfway between top down and isometric so it is up down left right but the 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 camera's offset it's like a, a sort of 60 degree angle i there's probably a specific term for that kind of camera i don't particularly know it um but it's um artistically it reminds me a lot of the first risk of rain in the the enemy designs the color palette um it's a lot of fun albeit maybe not as balanced as it might be if if it was a studio that was sort of doing it as their livelihood um mm. the bullets are very big the collision detection feels a little bit over generous to your opponents but generally it runs really well on the game but it's very interesting there's a nice little story that's slowly sort of peeling back layers and unraveling and if you have a flash cart or an emulator i'd highly recommend giving that one a look i think it's on GBA Temp or something, but it's easy enough to find to download anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And if anyone can't, hit me up on Discord and I'll point you in the right direction. Um, so that that's all the things that I've been playing. Um, nice. Why don't you tell us, Alex, because uh, you've got a little bit of humble pie on the roguelike front to eat, haven't you? Oh, I've got a whole... Oh, no, it's not even a humble pie whatsoever. It's an happy pie to eat. Um, <laughs> no, you know, this is the problem. I Yeah, I've fallen deep into loop here. And um, it's sort of sad because, like, I can still kind of see the writing on the wall and I'm like getting nervous about it, but it's like getting, it's getting more and more distant, you know, which is really nice. And I think I fall in extremely hard for this game. This game is fucking dope. And I think the reason, and you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this because I was like, why do I like this one? Because, and, and I should say like, I don't know, roguelikes. It's like, I don't know. They, t- I tend to burn out on them, but I love the idea of it, right? Because the idea makes sense, you know? Like, it's like, that makes sometimes. sense for a video game. Sometimes, yeah. But then I'm always just like, feel like I'm missing something from it. And in this one, what I really love is that, and let's let's take Hades as an example. So in Hades, we talk a lot about how the in-between runs action is really fun. And like, you really want to get back there. And you want to you want to do things, and you want to kind of spend some of the stuff that you found uh, out on the world when you come back. But like ultimately, there's really only like a couple things you collect during the runs that are then used um, back in the world. And many of the things you collect are reused. And really, the only way to get them is to either beat like a boss, or you go into a specific room that has this thing. But it's gonna be very random. Um, if you can even enter that room, right? You might go on a run and you're like, man, I just need some goddamn keys. And it's like, yeah, well, no keys for you this run. And you're like, ah, I just wanted the keys, right? Like, and there's nothing you can do to really affect that. But in Loop Hero, what I really find incredible is that by combining the deck building element to this, you decide what you're bringing into each game. And so you have resources and there are synergies between cards and all the resources that you collect are resources that have specific requirements to kind of appear, right? For instance, there's one uh, that you have to get this orb and the orbs, 
will drop more often if you fight on tiles that have like three or more monsters, okay? And you're in control of how many monsters will often appear on them. So if you put a bunch of cards on one tile that have that are monster cards, like maybe I put two spider cocoons, I'm gonna suddenly have like five or six spiders on that one tile. And I'm going to now have better chance of getting that type that I want, right? Or maybe I need, and and all of these resources can go to improve your camp. And the more you improve your camp, the more of the story starts to reveal itself, the more um, upgrades you're getting for your characters, and the more you're progressing towards beating the chapters. And like, I've beaten two chapters now, and there's four chapters in total. And I just find that like everything I'm going to use the word synergy a lot. Everything is synergistic in this game. Like it all combines with each other. And I'm like, I'll be playing. And like the other day I was playing and like, I put down this like one card. It's a storm temple that shoots like lightning. And I was like, just put this new tile I had down next to it. And it created something new with a new effect for me. And I was like, Oh, Oh shit. And like, suddenly I realized that's how you get that thing. And like it, made my run so much better and I just dominated the run after that because I learned like how to use this thing and so it just feels to me like I can in each run I can set a goal for myself and I can accomplish the goal right even if I'm like in one run for instance I'm like okay I'm just starting this new chapter there's no way I'm going to get to the boss so I'm just going to try to farm for this particular resource and so I'm going to try to optimize my like run for that sort of setup I'm going to place cards the way I want to in order to get this particular resource and then you can do that and it like and it works you know but you have to learn how to do it first right by playing the game and by experimenting and so I don't know it feels like the game rewards my kind of creativity and it rewards my like my strategy strategy and like my and thinking and like look sometimes it does get into a problem occasionally I do a run where I straight up just like get to a point where I am dominating like I've noticed that if you populate a game with a lot of monsters and usually of a specific type you will hit a point where like the rogue class is like almost broken I can holy crap if you <laughs> want to dominate play as the rogue but then again maybe it's just because I found a good strategy I'm not entirely sure right there's probably other strategies that people have found that they're like nah man you got to be the necromancer do this and this so I don't know I love this game I could talk about this game for way too long it's excellent it is a little indie game it's a roguelike with an end in sight that doesn't feel too crazy far away I feel like I can beat this in less time than like a fucking Persona 5, right? So ultimately, I'm like, like the game like Hades, I feel like if I want to fully beat it, I have to like sink in 70 hours of my life, <laughs> which is fine for some. Some are like, hell yeah, that's what I want. I want to friggin', I want to stay in this world for ages. But in this one, I feel like I'm enjoying the runs the most. That, that is what's the most fun. When I played Hades, it was the in-between that was more interesting. The runs felt like a chore often. Uh, when I was getting to the end of it. And that's also because I'm not as huge of a fan of the type of combat in that game. Some people love that combat. So for them, that's like, this is a moot point, right? That's their, that's they're like, no, screw you, man. The combat in that is sick. But I'm like, yeah, but it felt a little too random for me. So anyway, that's, that's kind of like where I am on it. I just think it's really, really excellent. And especially for such a small little, like uh, indie game and uh, the style, everything just works. I'm digging it. It's, it the, but I will say, writing is nowhere near as good as Hades. Hades nails that shit. Um, their writing is fantastic. The writing is good in this and it's fine, but it, it's it's certainly a little more basic, I would say. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's Loop Hero. You two have seen some screenshots I've sent. It, it looks crazy when you don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that combined with it being a deck builder is just enough for me to say no thank you. Yeah, although uh, I will say the deck building is very limited. Like your your decks are never ve- like huge. The start is like twelve cards, 
Um, and then like you're adding cards to it, but it's not like, don't, don't think that you're going to have like hundreds of cards. You're going to have dozens of cards, um, that to pick from. So it's, it's certainly more manageable in that sense. And they're going to feed them to you as you play, um, which makes it uh, much, much easier, I think, um, in terms of figuring out what's going on. Okay. Anyway, actually speaking of roguelikes, little known fact, the Game Boy had a roguelike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, called Cave Noir. And this game is excellent. I was like, I, I can't believe this. This is not a homebrew. This is a Konami release. This little thing, when did it come out? Um, I think it came out in 1991, okay? A year before I was freaking born. And essentially, you show up in this little town, and there are like four types of quests that you can go on. So you're this little adventurer, and there's this psychotic-looking dude who's like, want to go on a quest? <laughs> and you're like, all right. And you can go on quests where you need to kill a certain amount of monsters, where you need to collect a certain amount of gold, where you need to unlock like fairies. Oh, and there's a, there's one other one, and I just for the life of me can't remember what it is right now. Orbs, orbs, right. You collect a certain number of orbs. Um, so there's like little items that you can collect and there are levels. There's like 10 levels, I think in each of them. Um, and basically you like click on one that you want to do. Like, say you're going to go slay monsters. You go click on that and it's like, all right, you need to defeat three monsters. And then you go to like the village's God, which is this tree. And the tree gives you a random assortment of items. And those are the items that you have to go into the dungeon. And then you enter into the dungeon and it's, it's like, it's an action RPG, but it's like kind of turn based in a way. So like as you're moving, that counts as like turns, right? And then when you go to fight an enemy, it's like you stop next to it. You can extend a select button and then you press attack to attack it. So it does like the turn based kind of stuff. And it's um, concurrent turns, is it? Like the Mystery yes. Dungeon games. Right. Yes, I'm with you. Yeah. It, it won't like start like a new thing. Yeah. It's kind of like Mystery Dungeon. It's a dungeon crawler, right? But in this kind of roguelike uh, fashion where the... The rooms are sort of the same, but they're they're procedurally ordered, so you're not going to see the exact same room every time. And like, <laughs> there's hidden passages, and they conveniently will put like a little question mark over your head when there might be a hidden passage nearby, and there's stuff to find. And I, I, anyway, I'm playing it. I'm like, oh my god, this is 1991. I'm like, huh, this is really good. And like, it's just it's actually fun. Like as I was playing it, I'm like, this is simple but enjoyable and you can always like switch up the the like you know what you're going for right because it will change the style that you're playing and as you get deeper it gets more complicated and like you have more items you can use so highly recommend checking out cave noir very cool not gonna lie the way you describe it i wouldn't expect it to be like a gamble game no and um flat out like I, I didn't expect it to be a Game Boy game. I, I remember I, when I was searching for Game Boy games, this is one that I stumbled on, and I was like, what? No, impossible. <laughs> like, playing it, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Konami, they made some crazy shit on this thing. So speaking of Konami, actually, let's go to the next one, because this is also a game that you'll go, what? This can't be on the Game Boy Color. Uh, and that's Metal Gear Solid, which I think is also known as Metal Gear Ghost Babble, because it's technically like an alternate universe where Metal Gear Solid 2 didn't happen. Um, and it's like seven years after Metal Gear, uh, I think, or... Yeah, whatever the MG, the original Metal Gear is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it like references that. It's it's a full fledged Metal Gear game. This game mm -hmm. starts with a fifteen minute cutscene. Okay, mm -hmm. it's a Metal Gear game. <laughs> like it's on the Game Boy Color, and fifteen minutes of them talking. I was like, 
what the hell is happening? And it's actually really good. Like you're, you know, you're talking with your teammates and the way that they do the sprites is really interesting. They're kind of long and um, really like beautifully animated. If you, if you let Snake sit still for a second, you'll see like a puff of smoke come up. And so you could tell that he's like smoking and I'm like, that's clever. Great systems, you know, like it's a stealth game. So you can press start and you can like go onto the ground and you can crouch. You can push up against walls and stealth cross. Uh, there's alerts and everything. So if you get alerted, you know, enemies come coming in, you can hide. It is a Metal Gear game, like honestly. Um, and it's really fun. If you want like a fun game that's sort of similar, I guess, to the originals um, on, on earlier systems, play this one because like no expense was spared for this game, I don't think. Like it has wonderful environments, uh, fun weapons, fun items. Um, it's pretty clear what you're supposed to do, but it also like gives you the freedom to kind of do it how you want to do it, right? You're very much exploring the areas you're going through and you can decide if you kill people or if you sort of sneak around or not. I don't know. I'm just impressed. AI have good routines and everything. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been, I've been kind of a little blown away actually by some of the things that I've been finding on these, on these systems. People were very creative. And lastly, I want to do this real quick. We're going long today. Halo, the Master Chief Collection. Uh, I was going to be like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I've been having that in my head for a while right now. This good old theme song. I'm playing co-op with my partner, actually. So I thought, hmm. yeah, I, I thought, so look, my partner, she doesn't play a lot of games. You know, we've played the Mario games together. We played Overcooked a little bit. And I just thought, you know, I want to see if she can play a first person shooter. You know, like I was like, I just want to see if she, if she'll even be interested in this. So I was like, I wanted to replay I Halo. What? You're kind of evil. No, she fucking <laughs> loves this game. Like, she has so much fun with it. And she's getting pretty damn good at it, too, actually. Like, I just was sort of curious because I was like, I'm going to play Halo. Do you want to play with me? And she was like, okay, sure. What's Halo? And she keeps singing the, you know, Halo Beyonce song. Uh, <laughs> Beyonce song. But I'm like, all right, great, great. Gonna go. We do joke right, about that. Master Beef because, like, it is so, like, he's just so, like, this is military. Um, and it's very funny. But, like, it's interesting. Like, as she started to play it, I realized from playing Fall Guys and stuff, she's gotten a little more used to the twin stick stuff. And she still has a bit of mm-hmm. trouble with that aiming. But Halo is such a perfect first game, I think, for a first-person shooter. Because, really, it was kind of the first game to, like, make shooters really work on consoles, you know? Like, I would argue that that is the game that made them work. Um, yeah, we can say like Goldeneye stuff, but I'm like, did Goldeneye really work on consoles? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> um, in retrospect, we're like, sure, but like the modern control scheme really was kind of born with Halo. Popularized. We've spoken about Alien Resurrection on this podcast before. It was popularized. Yeah, but Halo. I'd also say that like it had the refinements that maybe like you know what I mean. Like, and, and <laughs> in some ways, I would go like, yeah, probably. I'd be curious to see if Alien Resurrection felt as good as Halo did. Because that's the one thing where I go like playing Halo, that game just feels good. And it still feels really good. It's just so responsive. But anyway, she's having a freaking blast. She's killing Covenant. She's like, this is great. And like co-op, it's fun because you just play like an hour long mission each. And then like that's one session we'll do. I also love that co-op lets you blip because sometimes she gets a little lost. <laughs> like, where are we? And I'm like, don't worry, you'll blip to me in a second. You like run forward and then she's like, boom, and like appears next to me. And I'm like, there we go. But she saved my ass a couple times. I'm not gonna lie. Halo's not that easy. Like the AI are smart in that game. I love it. They're hiding and shit. They're ducking and going all over the place. They don't just like stand there and like shoot at you, you know? And I'm like, 
I forgot how good it was. So anyway, I'm really enjoying playing it with her again. And it's like, it's, it's fun to play Halo through someone else's eyes. And I think, I, I think I've kind of convinced her, like, we're probably, we'll probably play Infinite, hopefully together at some point too. I'm like trying to, she was like, is there a new Halo coming this year? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, that's why we're playing. And I was like, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wanted to go back and play them again. So that's my Game Pass adventures with Halo. Have you, uh, have you guys played the, the series much? Not no. at all. I'm, uh, really? I'm very much an Xbox virgin. Yeah. It's, Listen, uh, I'm just saying, Halo games are extremely fun. They just are. The only thing that keeps me from playing them is uh, my motion sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you should try this one. <laughs> <laughs> if- Do you know what? They- yeah. Go on, sorry. Oh, I got nothing. I, I was just going to say when I when I do eventually like have a reason to um, give Game Pass a couple of months of spin, Master Chief maybe something I'll find the time for. But yeah. until then, it's just not like like it seems fine. Everyone enjoys them, you're right, but it's not it's not a priority thing. And um, that's fair. What's it called? I was going to try and make a joke about Craig from Infinite, but uh, my head's not quite there, and it wouldn't have been that good anyway. So let's move on. Yes, to this week's topic, which. Uh, I've got one thing that occurred to me about, but I'm going to wait until you guys have um, spoken about it because you've got much more about it than me. So do you want to introduce it as well, Alex? Yeah, sure. So the topic this week uh, is actually a topic that I, I believe Paula mentioned. So this is um, flavor text like glossary or like encyclopedias in video games. So kind of like that that text um, and that information that it's not necessarily pivotal to the story per se but offers that nice flavor and that nice kind of rounding out of the world in it. Uh, and so we just want to talk a, bit, a little bit about some times when we've seen it done well, or maybe times wherein it's relied on too much. <laughs> um, I'll pop in real just quick here on mine. I was just like Loop Hero at the moment, actually, um, has a really interesting encyclopedia where they do this thing where you can collect um, memories because the whole thing is that you've lost memories. The world seems to be being erased and you're trying to repopulate it. And every entry in the encyclopedia, you can kind of uh, spend this resource that's really only for this um, to unlock articles in it. Um, which is kind of neat. And like it unlocks new descriptions. Uh, my sort of like tick off all the boxes brain is like yes i must unlock all of the articles <laughs> but i'm like not really reading them <laughs> uh, you know what i mean it's a lot of text i'm like oh my god it's a full book um but it is neat and it, and it really actually does sort of expound on the world and it gives you more motivations for the bosses and stuff too which that part i thought was neat i was like ooh, learn more about their thought process paula what about you you want to you want to share some stuff here yeah i i i really i'm, I'm sorry okay again sorry <laughs> Uh, I'm like a person that likes reading like every little thing on the video game. Uh, pretty much like the kind of person who would complete the Pokedex only to find out like how the different monsters are described in this world. But the game that kind of gave me the idea uh, for this topic is Wargroup because that game has so much love on it. Not only has like a very like kind of like expressive kind of uh, pixel art and it has like very charming characters but also they have a codex hmm. that has like the different commanders the units kind of terrains lore rules everything about this world and i love it and and i lost the idea <laughs> oh sorry i was gonna say i gotta get you to play loop here you're gonna love this game this game has so much of that stuff in it you're gonna be like i don't know in the artwork you just you play this game it's not, it's not very expensive. You should do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably try to get into Loop Hero like, after <laughs> finishing whatever I'm doing right now. 
But Sentinels I guess really <laughs> is what you need to finish that first. Finish it first, please. Finish it, but goddamn, not having the first disease harder for me to <laughs> I hear you. Um sorry, so yeah, Wargroove. Yeah, that that is a good one with lots of interesting stuff in it. What else did you have there? Well, the aforementioned Ace Attorney, like, I really love how when you either interact with an object or just have it, like, laying around, like, in your inventory, it has a, it already has a description. And, for example, the the they, the attorney's badge, you get presented, like, to every single NPC in a game, and they're just, they'll just react to it, and it is fantastic. And uh, I kind of like the, the banter between the characters about a certain item uh, like the step ladder joke uh, that has been like forever in the series <laughs> another one that i already mentioned is pokemon because mainly because of the pokedex entries and uh, they go from either cute to more like dark and stuff and some are just plain ridiculous like magikarp uh, which is described as a weak and pathetic pokemon and there are others that are kind of characters right like they just clown on their own characters they're just like yeah magikarp sucks <laughs> yeah the poor thing there's even like a magikarp song at this point that came out with um that mobile game where you train magikarps and make them jump magikarp jump magikarp jump oh yeah that was around the time of flabby jump and stuff yeah 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 it totally makes sense that it is a thing fun fact someone ported mag not magikarp jump someone ported flappy bird to the Game Boy Advance, and you turn it horizontally, and with what would be the right D-pad button, you you jump and flap through. It's quite weird. Anyway, go ahead. My tangent done now. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just I'm just surprised it wasn't I bored it on on stuff just because it, it's such a simple game, and it's like everyone likes to just kill a little bit of time with that. But anyways, uh, I was just starting to get the next screenshot that I have here. <laughs> it's from Link's Awakening a remake. And I just love how the dialogue of the game is just a little bit silly sometimes. Mm. You find your sword. It must be yours because it has your name engraved in it. It's like, you, you, you think like Link would recognize his own sword, but anyways. I feel like Link's or Awakening. Like when you're... Oh, sorry. Keep going, Paula. Oh, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like Link's Awakening, like you're right, it's one of the best for that, right? Like even the original Game Boy game, it just had such an irreverent tone. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I heard the screenshot over here, but um, when you're checking like the library, it says, oh, this is a bookcase. All right, you already knew that. <laughs> I love to like, it's like... <laughs> the fishing one you pulled up there. Like, yeah, you landed a little fish just like you. It's small, but it has plenty of fight. It's nice. It's just it's it's <laughs> kind of charming, right? Yeah. Charming is definitely the word. And going ahead with the, um, oh, my God, the sell that thing kind of like in in this thing it's covered uh i know many people don't like it but uh, many people don't like fee but she has some of the best descriptions of some of the enemies and the one that stacks to be the most is if discord decides to like behave for a little bit uh it's the one for the curse book of enemy and she just says but this horrifying Bokoblin reanimates after death. And as you see the gate, it fears pure tiny items and will start to let the side of a sacred shield. It is able to reanimate purely though its hatred of this world. 
and its attachment to outlandish undergarments. Hmm. And some of the... Uh, I didn't know this like on my uh, first attempt to uh, complete in Skyward Sword, but Fee is kind of sassy at times, and she <laughs> has like the strangest and funny like, descriptions of the enemies on the Zelda series. I gotta say, I do kind of um, like when a game, like, you know, hides what it wants the player to do in, like, kind of world-realized uh, descriptions, you know? Like, I mean, sometimes it's too intense, but it's nice when a tutorial is not just like, press A, just do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I was tr- I'm trying to think, like, another examples besides, like, items, like... Oh, right. Um, one that I haven't played, but I heard a lot about is, well, in the Elder Scrolls games, particularly mm. Skyrim. Someone on Polygon did a video on all the books from Skyrim. And I find that when developers do that kind of stuff, like, populate the world with even, like, little silly details that don't seem to add up, like, a lot at the start, but then you're like, oh, there's this in this world, huh? I think yeah, that it gives was, it life. Um, it, it gives it life. Brian much. David Gilbert, that was it. Yeah, I think he did that on his on Unraveled. I think that was the thing. Yeah, he just like, I read all the Skyrim books. <laughs> um, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of incredible, actually, because they have like a compendium of those. Some of those books have been in the games since like some of their earliest incarnations of it. Um, I'm not sure if it goes back before Morrowind, but maybe I'm, I, I'm not entirely sure. But like there have been some that continue on. And it's like this continuous lore. It's kind of crazy. I kind of want to play Skyrim, but at the same time, I'm scared of playing Skyrim because of how much content it seems to have. <laughs> you would get very lost in all those books, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't love it. I, I, and speaking of like another uh, kind of like open, well, air world, um, Breath of the Wild, I really like like the descriptions of the food items and stuff, especially mm-hmm. the dubious food. It's too gross to even look at. A bizarre spell issues from the issues forth from this heap. Eating it won't hurt you, though, probably. <laughs> Probably. There are like a lot of descriptions of the various like food items and the and some of the armors kind of like stuck a little bit more. I'm sad that um the kind of like Link's journal that is like the chicas like like the missions and stuff was lost in translation because that would have added like so much more time to the game mm-hmm. and more character to Link himself. It's kind of interesting. Um, oh, sorry, keep going, Paula. Go ahead. I'm no. sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, you hang up. Sorry. No, you hang, no, you hang up. up. <laughs> I know. We keep like bouncing off. Um, I was just going to say, like, it, it seems a lot with these sort of things. It, it, it's kind of sad because ultimately it's like if it's done poorly, you notice, right? Like, it's like, ugh, like that's kind of like bad or there's typos. But then when it's done super well, sometimes you just don't even notice because it's just so good that it just kind of like, you know what I mean? It's just part of the world and you're like, yep, bup, bup, and you move along, you know? Like even sometimes in Skyrim, like I don't often think about like, wow, that's like a well-written book um, in this game. I'm just like, oh, what's this? How much do I, can I sell it for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? And so like, 
there is something to be said about the the attention to detail that gets put into these things. And I mean, I think it's it's transferred a little bit into different realms. Like, I mean, you know, playing Bioshock, like it, the audio logs are essentially the descriptions, right? Um, and I guess Dark Souls is kind of known for this too, right? It's such a cryptic uh, game that like pretty much everything you can learn about it is just like from these small glimpses that you get. Uh, to be fair, I haven't played a ton of the Dark Souls games. I played Bloodborne and think the first one i don't know <laughs> so i could be wrong you call yourself a gamer <laughs> hey i'd be bloodborne I'm right <laughs> I, I, haven't played any, I haven't played less than you so <laughs> what, what were you going to mention rick what was your contribution well the standout one for me and i have quickly skimmed through my completions and pulled a couple of other quick examples uh the one that jumps to mind for me uh is 2017's prey mm. uh, and obviously it's slightly different in terms of flavor text uh but given that you are on an empty space station. It's just you and the, the typhoids there for the vast majority of the game. The emails and the logs and the various documents that you find in situ, and particularly the way that they link to the world around you, um, give that place a real sense of having been lived in, which is, is so crucial to the atmosphere that they try to build. Um, so just by way of an example that, that I actually remember, um, one of the one of the neat, stupid things that the game gives you is a dart gun, and those darts have um, conductive tips. So in puzzle situations, you can use them, for example, to um, trip a button on the inside of a room that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get into, or you might have to like have a certain hacking ability to otherwise get through. And there's various logs on different people's laptops and computers. Uh, of them talking between each other about putting that tip on there and about certain stashes where you'll find them. And Steve, we know you just want to get close to Sarah. Uh, Stop trying to use this project as an excuse to do that. We all see it and it's just annoying. And just stupid stuff like that. And it's so believable. Um, No, you saying this reminds me, freaking Outer Outer Wilds. Oh my God, that game is entirely through flavor text. And it's like through translation of alien text and like like you're saying there's like moments where you see arguments between like scientists who are like ah oh, jerry wants to friggin do this thing. like so they have different names obviously like wants to try and yeah. do this with it and you're like yeah and i love that shit like that whole game is actually just discovering the world through flavor text basically and it's exactly as you say it, it lends the world an air of authenticity mm-hmm. and it it feeds into everything else that's going on and it is a shame that sometimes the the best execution of that, like music and like like certain other things, is the one that you don't notice. Just to rattle off the other ones that I pulled up as an examples. Uh, firstly, an example of it done badly in my mm. view, uh, Doom Eternal. Oh yeah, that I mean that game is just more of everything uh, and not mostly in a good way. And one one of those examples is the way they tried to build a law into a game that didn't really need it. And, and part of that is all the all the logs. And because of the way they give them to you, certainly I felt more than Doom 2016. I felt like there was an expectation for me to read them. It's like, oh, that's not what I'm fucking here for. I just want to kill demons. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of good examples, um, I've already mentioned it, but obligatory 13 Sentinels, I guess, Rim reference. Um, <laughs> that game, just because of the way it's set up, has a whole fucking compendium that slowly... Um, is added to and allows you unlocks over time um, and it's not necessarily characterful it's quite i don't want to say dry either but it's quite sort of to the point in terms of 
this is what X does. This is where Y comes from. Um, this is just a little bit of an interesting tidbit about one of the robots or one of the meals that a certain character really enjoys. But it's well done in the sense that it gives you the information you need and helps piece everything together and, and flesh it out a little bit. So I thought that was really good. The Risk of Rain franchise has always had excellent flavor tech, um, building in with that. Blasphemous occurred to me when you were talking about Dark Souls. Hmm. And it's a similar kind of thing where it builds into the lore a bit and it's... Um, it gives it a sense of history. Control did a similar thing, albeit that that was more with uh, the SCP kind of altered world event type things. And it was really cool because it gives you an idea of things beyond what that game could show you, but within the context of the Bureau. Um, and I think I like hopefully- it. Oh, sorry. I think I like on, it sorry. most too when it's like that, where you can sort of just kind of discover the things and it's not like essential to the plot. Like when it becomes essential, I'm like, buzz off, dude. I'm not in my game to read right now, you know, like unless I'm specifically here to read. Um, and it's like when it's like that, where it just kind of adds this like extra dimension that you can discover. That's when I dig it the most. I certainly when it feels the most natural. Um, and again, I think the attention to detail that's needed for it to feel that way is something that you only notice if it's done wrong or badly, uh, which is a bit of a shame. And then just finally, Daddish, the flavor text in that <laughs> makes that game so much charm i fucking love it so yeah those are my hastily cobbled together nice. points paolo. on that did you have any other alex oh sorry go on. no no I, i'm okay on this pa- paolo did you have any you want to finish uh, finish it off with oh yeah i was thinking like since 13 sentinels last name tim mary can say for that's or, fair yeah um yeah you not only have like the entire demon compendium as you unlock it and um, you also have like um the um quest and mission entries mm. like they're like i really like how they they are written because you have this assistant um oh my god what, what was her name it burrows begins, that's the one a burrows is like the best assistant like character you could ever have in a game she has all your quests sorted out and pretty much she writes them too so they're like actually like really fun to read, and that and the compendium because starting because I really like the welcome to the cathedral of shadows where demons gather that you're <laughs> welcome with. Each demon on the Megamitense series is based on either like a mythical creature, a deity, a god, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they add everything uh, to the game. So. You could just read the origins of the creature, like in the companions. Uh, pretty fun to do. And that extends to a lot of the other games in the series as well. So the Personas, mm-hmm. Strange Journey, some of the other ones. Yeah, in general, I find RPGs, JRPGs, like they tend to have really good flavor text with this stuff because there's just so much. There's just so much in those games that they have to kind of compile them. Um, well, neat. That was fun. Um, it, it's a little aspect of games I don't think about too often, but realize. It's very important. Should we move on and to it's our... Nice to you now. Yes. yes. Should we yes. move on yeah. to our question then, which... Uh, Rick, you have a question for us, don't you? <laughs> I do indeed. And it's something that I was thinking about. Um, partially when we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, how we judge games, whether we judge them as they were versus as they are. Also, some discussions in the Discord and some of the bits and bobs. Um, and it made me wonder about myself and, and wonder about you two as well. What the longest period there has been for you between a game coming out and you first playing it so the longest span of time between release and and your playthrough um 
and I went and had a look at mine ahead of this, so I'll, I'll kick us off. There's a couple of sort of cheat ones. So like Ultimate NES Remix, technically those games came out in the mid-80s, and, and I, I, I don't really want to count that because it's a new game. Um, ditto the original Final Fantasy, because I played the PlayStation Portable port. Try and say that five times quickly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ditto <clears throat> Mist, which I played... I don't do this because it's a fucking awful port of it, but I played the DS port. Um, I own that. that. Um, because oh, trash. I know someone, so I bought a, a DS Lite off this lady who was selling it for like 50 bucks with like 10 games. And they were all games from like a mom who owned a DS Lite. You know what I'm saying? And like, I just wanted like, to have the backups. And I was like, oh my God, missed like, like uh, all this kind of shit, like Sudoku, all that stuff. I was like, these are the games that were aimed at you. And I'm like, it's great. No. The visuals in that game are crunchy to get yeah. them to fit into that system. Um, and then the final sort of cheap version is Windjammers, which was originally a Neo Geo game. Um, but I played the Vita port, um, which they did change a little bit and they added matchmaking, whatever. So the, the actual proper game um, that would be the longest span uh, would be Batman for the Game Boy, um, mm. which came out in 1990 and I played in 2017. Mm, okay so that's a 27 year span quarter of a century if you can believe it that that game came out before i was born yeah oh i think i have you beat oh, on mine yeah. but yeah that's good <laughs> you, probably, you probably do but like on a personal note that was quite quite a mad thing um so yeah what about you two uh when i go first alex i think we might have the same one paula uh was this a game you played recently <laughs> um so oh, right on the count of three say what your games are one, two, three. three. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have three games that have exactly 33 years between uh, it releasing it and... Uh, oh, um, I have the longest I, then. I got 34 oh. years. <laughs> so mine is actually Damn. The Legend of Zelda because I played The Legend of Zelda in 2020 and that game came out in 1986 so like i was like straight up i played it like 30 years since it released i had never played the legend of zelda before i had just like kind of seen it and then i played the nest version last year and i was like i was looking on my list and i went oh my god yeah that was straight up 30 <laughs> 34 years later i mean i guess because this year is the 35th anniversary right i should have waited this year i could have had a solid 35 years between first playing it but the, the the next one after that i think would is actually dragon warrior because that was 1989 and i just played that this year uh in, in 2021 so yeah there's a lot of time in between those i both well before i was born which is just kind of wild for me too right i don't know it's kind of fun like i like this idea yeah so a solid 34 years um in between its release and when i played it uh what about you paula is legend of zelda one of yours i, I was wondering uh, yeah, Lane of Zelda is one of mine. Yeah, I actually that's... played it for the first time in 2018. Okay. Mm. And the first year I played another two games that were uh, released like very, very long ago. And I'm actually like double checking my math because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to double check. You're like, is it right? Oh, okay. No, Okay. So besides the Legend of Zelda, uh, Dragon Warrior, I think it was released around the same. Oh time. yeah! Now that I'm looking at this, Dragon Warrior. So it says Dragon Warrior 1989 because it's Game Boy Color. That's the version I played. But the actual Dragon Warrior game released in 1986. That would have been in Japan, I assume, though. 
So I would still count that as 1989 for me, just because that's when that version came out. But that's interesting. I guess it's maybe tied with Legend of Zelda. (laughs) Yeah, finally, Super Mario Bros. Because um, that game released all the way back on... Wait, wait a second. Uh, 1983, I think. Mm. Is it that old? Yeah, it's almost 40 years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I played it on 2018, so 35 years after release. Mm. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yikes, indeed. I know. You know, we got clearly we got to play some Atari games, right? That's what we got to beat. We got to beat some old DOS games. <laughs> <laughs> Be right back and pull out the original 73 version of Pong. I mean, but gaming now, I I assume, is coming close to the 50-year anniversary, at least. Like, it depends when you decide gaming started. I mean, a lot of us sort of say that gaming kind of as a popular medium, like home console-wise, sort of started in the 70s, but... We're, we're turning... I feel like Pong has got to be your starting point, in which case we are getting worryingly close to the 50-year anniversary. Yeah. We're turning into a big boy industry, (laughs) like art form, you know, like it's an art form with classics that you can go back on. So sorry, Paolo. So yours was Legend of Zelda. Dragon Warrior Mm -hmm. and uh, Super Mario Brothers. That's hilarious. We have two of the same ones, Dragon Warrior and Legend of Zelda. Ghost and Goblins would have it, but the the reality is I played the Game Boy Color version of Ghost and Goblins um, like when I was a kid. So wouldn't have really counted, but that game's old. That's 1985. Missed a trick is what you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm also so salty. The Ghost and Goblins like um, rating on how long to beat is like 62%. And I'm like, it is a much better game than that. <laughs> but I get it. That's through everyone's tears. They rated a six. I hate this game. Get good. That's the original get good game. <laughs> Shall we? Sorry, Shall- you know, before Dark Souls was popular. Yes. <laughs> and yes, Rick, I think you're about to transition us into how long to beat the game. <laughs> okay. I was going to attempt to, yeah, so I've, I've just hit refresh. I've taken the liberty. Oh, hold on. Um, I'm editing and- this week. My turn. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> it's fun. I like to choose them sometimes. I haven't got to do it in months. <laughs> wow. When Alex gets this one, all three times, five points, you'll know why. Yeah, we'll know why, right? Ooh, actually, yeah, I am going to change this because I just spun to Ring Fit Adventure and that's not fair. Because <laughs> I'm literally playing that right now. I think we should probably make a rule that like we can't do ones we're currently playing. Currently um, playing. <laughs> yeah. um, I think so, that was rule, but yeah, let's formalize oh, that. Oh, this is interesting, actually, um, because we, we sort of talked about this game a few weeks ago. Detective Grimoire. Um, so it's the, Ooh, the original nice. before Tangled Tower, right? Um, yes. Though I do think this is going to be one where we might all get some points. <laughs> so I- yeah, I'm I'm fully about to gamify that. I'm putting seven hours, seven hours, eight hours, because I know that game be short. <laughs> Me too. I know that's a real short game. Like I'm tempted to go like five, 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 but I'm like, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna Ooh, go five, I'm six, gonna- seven. I think. I'm going to go six, seven, eight, because yeah. there's a part of me that worries it's going to be like one hour something and the seven hour will just screw me. Yeah. So let's do that. Uh, let me see here. Wait, I'm confused. Oh, there. Um, oh, whoops. Yeah. Our, our ratings from last time are still on there. So hold on. Oh, yeah, I was confused. I'm going five hours, six hours, seven hours. Yeah. Five, six, seven. Because there's no way it's shorter than two hours to complete the whole freaking game. That's just not happening. 
I feel like it might be 145, you know, if you like properly bum rush it. I suppose. But I mean, like for a completionist level, that's what I mean, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I feel like those, you're usually higher up than that, but I okay, I'm gonna maybe go I'll like... go six and a half hours. Why not? Six and a half for completion. <laughs> What should be 13 hours now? Five hours. Um, yeah, if it is 13 hours, main. I'll be like, how dare you? Yeah, let's, uh, um, let's read the map before we jump in then. So, Pally, you've got... Five hours and, and a half for main, six hours and a half for main plus, and seven hours for 100%. Yeah, I've, I've put six hours, seven hours, eight hours, respectively, and Alex... I've got five hours, six hours, six and a half hours. And I think, just so people know, this is kind of like a point-and-click adventure sort of game. Um, so let's let's find out. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. As ready as we'll ever be. And we all get points. So it's a uh, main story is two and a half hours. Uh, main plus extra is three hours. Completionist is three hours. So wow, yeah, Rick, you are right on that there, because like literally it's fun, it's fun. any hour higher, and you would have completely lost that. Because uh, uh, yeah, right, yeah, because that's how that works. Yeah, because five hour leeway. Yeah, there you go. Good job. Um, so that we means the standings that. are currently. Um, 33 points for Rick. Yeah. Um, 30 points, points for Paula and 28 points for Alex. It's a close game though. I mean, huh? Any, any week it could change any week. Yeah. It's tightened <laughs> right up because I was out in front for a long time. And then, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Oddworld that screwed me and you both came hot on my heels. Yeah. And then I messed up last week. Yeah. Ah, I was so close. Um, all right. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Um, We'll see y'all next week. Don't forget to send in some questions if you got them. Uh, Join the Discord, the How Long to Beat Discord, if you haven't already. Hop on that thing. Um, And that's it. Bye-bye. See you. Bye.